Today on Cross Defense, we take a look at John 844 to see how the manslayer is behind the identity politics push for death. The fancy word is anthropoctonos, although don't quote me on how to pronounce it, and don't tell my Greek professor if I said it wrong. But a listener identifies the common death thread among the so-called social justice issues. It's part of the devil's, he's the manslayer, trans-individual power of deception with a paternity all its own. So stick around to find out what all that means and to learn a particular word you should avoid using when talking about and discussing the procreation of life. All that and more is coming up right now on Cross Defense. Welcome to Cross Defense, my friends. This is the show that aims to equip the mind, excite the imagination, and comfort the soul, and aims to do all of that with God's Word. I'm your host, Reverend Tyrell Bramwell. I'm the pastor of St. Mark Lutheran Church, way out here on the Lost Coast in Ferndale, California, where, get this, the Reverend Dr. Adam Kuntz will be speaking on Reformation Weekend this coming October 2023. Absolutely true. So keep your ear to the ground for more on that in the near future. And along these lines, you might find it helpful to know that you can find St. Mark, the winged lion, on Instagram, on Facebook, and apparently someone told me on Twitter. Links in the show notes below. You can also subscribe to my channel on YouTube. And of course, the preferred method that you can always use to stay up with us is by going to the Winged Lion's own sandbox, our sandbox at stmarksferndale.com. And while you're there, if you'd like to share your comments, like to ask a question or build us up with your bits of biblical brilliance, because we know you got them, you can do that by going to the contact page. That's stmarksferndale.com slash contact. StMarksFerndale.com slash contact. That's right. Yep, still right. All right, so today we're talking about the devil, murder and lies. We're talking about how he is involved in all these things we see going on in our culture today. This show was inspired by a comment from Pink Rubik's. Rubik's, 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 I think, over on my YouTube channel. And we'll get to what she had to say in just a bit. But first, I'd like to front load the show with a look at the devil's murderous ways. In John 8, 44, Jesus says to the Jews who claim to be the children of Abraham, but who, who didn't believe Jesus because he spoke the truth, Jesus said to these Jews, you are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Now, you might have noticed I emphasized the word because. So note this, my friends. F.F. F. Bruce in his commentary on the Gospel of John, points out this profound little nugget, at least I found it profound. Jesus doesn't say, although I speak the truth, 
you don't believe me, as if it was some sort of misunderstanding, or they didn't quite grasp what he was getting at, or or he had his own views on things that were quite different, a little bit different from, from theirs, or that sort of thing. No, no, he says, because I speak the truth, you do not believe me. And that's extremely important to note. It's the very reason why these unbelieving Jews didn't believe, because he spoke truth. They didn't know the shepherd's voice, because they followed the devil. They were children of the devil. Herman Ritterboss, in his book, uh, think uh, Theological Commentary on the Gospel of John, I don't know, I'll leave a link to that as well in the show notes. On his book, he expounds on the word lie in Jesus' statement here, that when the devil lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies, right? So this word lie here, Ritterboss notes, does not refer to a distinct act that can be immediately rectified, but to a trans-individual power of deception with paternity of its own. All right. Not from God the Father, but from the Father, the devil. Ooh. So what on earth does all of that mean? That's some crazy theological talk, right? Trans-individual power of deception with paternity of its own. That's a mouthful, and it's awesome. See, there seems to be a lot, a lot of trans individuals these days, doesn't there? And none of them will have a paternity of their own because, as Pink Rubik's points out, the hormone blockers they're on, the cult castration that they're going through, it's sterilizing them. They will not be able to be paternal in any way. But now, that's not exactly what we're talking about. That's not at all what we're talking about. That's the, the consequence of what we're talking about when we say trans individual uh, deception, power of deception, or however Ritterboss put that. Trans individual means to pass from one individual to another, to transfer from individual to individual, right? So get all your trans, LGBTQ trans stuff out of your, out of your head for a second, and let's focus on the transfer of lie. Because that's what Ritterboss is talking about. Jesus says the devil is the father of lies, meaning the paternal originator of the lie, which transfers from one person to the next in the same way that the truth does. And giving birth to children, yes, children of the lie, in a similar fashion to the way Truth gives birth to children of the truth. God the Father brings forth new children, new Christians. He, he births Christians in the waters of holy baptism, where we are, as the Greek says, born from above, born from the Father, as we often translate it, born again. But there is a directional element, for lack of a better word, there's a directional element built into the Greek there. It's born from the Father, born from on, on high, born from heaven, born by the Holy Spirit, inseminating the heart with God's word of truth, the truth. As Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Well, the devil, being an envious copycat of the Lord, 
he he's uncreative. He's in a he doesn't have an ability to create. He's impotent in in all these ways. So he twists truth. He lies. And in doing so, he births his own children of darkness. He births them from not not from above, but I guess you might say from below with the lies that the unclean spirits use to impregnate human hearts with falsehood. Now back to F.F. Bruce and his observation. He says, what God says is the truth and what the devil says is the lie because it contradicts the truth. And so Paul speaks of idolaters as exchanging the truth, the truth of God, for the lie, Romans 1.25. Elsewhere, he says, of those who refused to receive the love of the truth, that God sends on them a working of delusion to make them believe the lie, 2 Thessalonians 2.11. The devil utters falsehood as naturally, my friends, as naturally and spontaneously as God utters truth. If it is impossible for God to lie, and it is, Hebrews 6, 8, equally, it is impossible for the devil to speak the truth, even when he chooses to quote scripture for his deceptive purpose. The children of God, then, will be characterized by their love of the truth, and the children of the devil by their refusal to accept the truth. And so, because Jesus speaks truth, they do not know him, and they seek to kill him, the Jews, from John 8, and they are therefore outed as children of the manslayer, children of the devil, the anthropoktonos. Having fun with that Greek word today. Okay, so, now... Let's go ahead and bring in the comment from our wonderful listener, Pink Rubik's. She says, I've been asking myself a lot about why these people pushing this agenda so hard are doing this. And she's replying and responding to last week's episode where we talked a lot about the uh, school board and the, and the attorney general out here in California and these people who are pushing the suicide agenda they're pushing the LGBTQism on kids and using the suicide argumentation, I should say, to get that job done. And so she's, she's commenting on that thread of conversation. To what end, she asks? What's the purpose? Why are they pushing this agenda so hard? What's the purpose of telling kids that all of their mental and emotional problems would be solved? Their loneliness, even, would be solved if they just declared themselves to not be heterosexual and to, to join, to be trans and to join the LGBTQ community, to show them that if they don't feel like they're getting enough attention already, then they can get all of the attention they want and more if they just give in to the LGBTQism. By telling them that their parents are nasty bigots who hate them and want them to be dead. To what end? That's the question. It's a very good question that she asks as well. It's the ultimate question, right? And I want to thank Pink Rubik's for asking it and for bringing it up. 
Now she continues. I suppose there are a multitude of answers to that question, though. I think one of the big ones is sterility. If you're having sex with people of the same sex, then you can't reproduce. If you give up your reproductive organs, then you can't reproduce. A risk of puberty blockers is sterility. A risk of hormone replacement therapy is sterility. Nobody wants to talk about that, at least of all the people advocating for doing these things, but it is. Conservatives rightly talk about unforeseen consequences of these hormones and these blockers due to studies that haven't been done yet and and what we don't know might happen long term, and, and they're right in that, she says. But what we fail to talk about are the known consequences, the things we already know. The woman who spoke detailing her horrific experience with transgenderism and the way the healthcare professionals her parents brought her to for help preyed upon her and her family like sharks smelling blood in the water said that her fertility is, as of now, unknown. Now, just so you know, guys, she's talking about the Chloe Cole clip from last week's episode when she, when she spoke to Congress at the end of July. Pink Rubik says there is a clear and present possibility that she may never be able to have children. Absolutely. She already will never be able to breastfeed her children if she's able to have them because she had, as she says there, a double mastectomy at 15, which is horrendous. I think all of this ties in with the obsession that the left has with making abortion a human right that nobody can interfere with. I used to consider the idea that the government would try to sterilize as many of us as possible to be an eye-roll-worthy conspiracy theory, the kind only fringe loonies believed. I used to think the same about similar conspiracy theories on abortion. And even after I removed myself from the left wing and from progressivism, I still thought those things were just weird things to believe. Now, though, I'm reconsidering that assumption. The more I hear about all of these movements to kill our babies before they're born and to drive our children to do things that make decisions about their bodies that will inevitably sterilize them, the more I'm seeing what other people saw that I didn't while I had my blinders on. And it isn't just the U.S. this is happening in. This is a problem throughout the West. Levels of severity may vary depending on country, but it's a very present problem and danger. There seems to be a concerted effort to cull the herd, so to speak. In the West, forced abortions and forced sterilizations would be met with too much pushback from all sides. So they make you think it's your idea, or they tell impressionable young people to make choices that will affect their sterility without telling them that those are consequences or by downplaying sterility. The recent push to elevate and celebrate childlessness and childless couples, even during a time when alarm bells are being raised due to the fact that we aren't producing enough children to replace an aging workforce, and what that will mean for the country, and the suppression of downplaying of those alarm bells, the more and the deeper that I think about it, the longer the list goes on. It's chilling 
It's terrifying. And yet, people are conditioned to think the way that I did about it. That not only is that happening, but it's ludicrous to even consider it's happening. And that anyone who says it is happening is a looney tune who should be scoffed at and not taken seriously. Oh, Miss Rubik's, may I call you Pinky? And I don't mean the kind of Pinky like Pinky in the brain, because Pinky, that Pinky was insane, and you're definitely not Looney Tune. No, sister, you are very sane, and I am so glad that you were saved from the false religion of the left. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Great comment. It actually reminds me very much of what Tucker Carlson said at the Family Leadership Summit. Did you, did you catch that? When they had the Family Leadership Summit a couple weeks ago, was it already? Have a listen. The two things I have come away with after reading the entire New Testament, and I'm up to Deuteronomy in the Old Testament, is God takes people who are not perfect people, not only not perfect people, like they're so imperfect again, mm. I don't think I can have dinner with them, and uses them for these grander purposes. That's the first thing I notice. The second thing I notice is that people, while they have free will, of course, and they can make decisions and they live with the consequences of those decisions, they're not really in charge of the arc of history at all. Mm. They are being acted upon a lot, Amen. okay? And I never really appreciated that because I'm American, and so I grew up with this feeling that we're the sum total of our choices. And, well, that's not what I'm reading at all. Mm. Yeah, people's choices matter. You need to do certain things and not do other things. On the other hand, you are not in charge. You are being acted upon by a world you can't see. And that, by the way, is consistent with my life experience. Mm. Like, I've seen that, I've lived that, I'm 54. And so I feel like it's really important to approach politics with that in mind. Like, a lot of these issues are symbols of this much larger battle. So to what end? That's the question that Pinky Pinkerton asked. I'm going to play with that name all day long. To what end? What's the end goal? Well, as she commented, the, there are various human reasons for the choices that people are making in these identity politics issues. And as Tucker pointed out, our ability to make these decisions and live with the consequences is at play. But we would have to actually sit down and talk to each individual person to figure out what their particular end game is. But what we do know, ultimately, what's, what's driving all of these horrors that end in death, these these barren choices, these, the sterility, the, the abortion, the murder, what's driving all of this, that's making the West, and you're right, it's much more than just the U.S., what's, what's turning, what has turned the West into a death culture are these unseen forces that Tucker mentioned that follow the manslayer, the anthropoctonos, Satan, that follow his lead, that transfer from one individual to another the lie. Let's take a break right there. When we come back, we'll look at Ephesians 6 to see what it is that Tucker is apparently just now learning about in its fullness. Thanks for listening to Cross Defense. We'll be right back. 
Many church workers always knew they wanted to serve in Christ's church, but for some, the passion to become a pastor, teacher, deaconess, or other full-time church worker came later in life. Leaving a career to pursue this life of service is not without challenges, yet these are sacred and joyous vocations unlike any other. Set apart to serve, the Church Work Recruitment Initiative of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod is here to help. Visit kfuo.org SAS to learn how you can put your experience and skills to work through full-time service in Christ's church. That's kfuo.org SAS. Isn't it interesting, my friends, that when you start reading the Bible, your eyes open. You start to see things as they truly are. What are these unseen forces that Tucker Carlson started to notice when he started reading the New Testament and got into the Old Testament? Well, turn with me to Ephesians 6. Ephesians 6 is going to give us what it is that we're talking about in no uncertain terms. We're going to start at verse 10, yeah, verse 10, and read through verse 20. Are you there? Ephesians 6, 10 to 20. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of of the devil, his lies, right? For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all, to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly, to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Guys, we are very quick to forget the reality of life, the reality of it. We compartmentalize the Bible and, and we only think about it on Sunday morning in Bible study or in the divine service or perhaps Perhaps when we're among our Christian friends throughout the week, maybe we'll talk about it. Well, I'm sure Ruby the Rubik's Cube could confirm that it's with her spirit-given eyes that can see and, and her ears that can hear that she was finally able to see through the false religion of the left. Praise be to Jesus. We need to keep before us always that what we're dealing with is a matter of truth and lie. It's a matter of children of the light and children of the dark. In John 8, 
Jesus gives us the two attributes of the devil that we ought never forget. He is a murdering liar. And I say it that way on purpose because his lies are the very weapon that he uses to murder. Think of the devil's lie as the dagger in his hand. Lying is the instrument that the devil uses to bring death to man. Using the Greek, he is the manslayer, the anthropoktonos. How did, how did he slay man? How did he get it done? With a lie, right? A lie, interestingly enough, dealing with death itself. What did he say to Eve? Remember Genesis 3, 4? You will not surely die. Oh, hey, girl, nah, this sharp blade I got right here in my hand, it's not going to kill you, I promise. No, 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 trust me, trust me, kid. I'm going to stick the blade right into your heart, and what's going to happen? It's going to open your eyes. You're going you're gonna to open up and see. And indeed, every lie is a twisting of truth, and open her eyes she did in terror of death as the blade killed her. He comes with his blade in hand, and we see it, and he lies straight to our face. So see, while God is the life giver, he's the fountain of truth. The devil is the life destroyer. He's the father of lies. Where does, where does he tell these lies? I mean, practically, in your daily life, where does he tell these lies? We tend to think, well, maybe he'll, he'll tell them just in, you know, in a false church over here or just among the pagans over there. But no, 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 everywhere, dear saints, everywhere. Not just in the woke ELCA churches. I mean, definitely there, but not just there where those crazy Sparkle Creed pastrixes are leading people in ridiculous idolatry. I mean, it's there. Yes, it's there, but not, not just there. It's also in school board meetings, as we've seen. It's at brunch with your friends. It's in the news. It's, it's in the civil realm as well as the ecclesial realm. It's everywhere. Satan sows his lie seed everywhere he possibly can, and he convinces Christians that it doesn't relate to the faith, their faith, the Christian faith, because he labels it politics or entertainment or I don't know whatever a humanity study this is this isn't this isn't theology this is critical queer theory this isn't theology this is psychology this isn't theology this is oh you know we're talking about uh, anthropology today no everything is theology everything is about knowing our God in the, in the human flesh, what we can figure out. All of, all of our sciences, all of our arts, it's all about our relationship to God. And when the devil fools us into thinking, that no, 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 that stuff is just for Sunday morning or just when you're hanging out with your Christian friends, he's already started to penetrate the heart with his dagger called the lie. See, you guys... Cross-defense listeners, you dear saints, you theologians who walk as Christians and talk as Christians and study the word of God, equipping your minds, exciting your imaginations, and finding comfort for your soul in the truth of God's word that is all about Christ and him crucified for you, resurrected, 
for you. You Christians, you guys are operating at the level that has the answers to all of our society's ills. That's the reality of the situation. You see what the world doesn't because you are working at that foundational level of these matters. All the things that are plaguing our society right now, you know the answer to them. Christ Jesus on the cross. So thank you, Pink Rubix, for your comment. Again, I give thanks to God that you escaped the death cult of the left. You're absolutely right that all these things are related. They're all tied together by that dreadful anthropotonos, the manslayer, the devil. His current influence over the Western world is deep. It runs so deep. So deep, in fact. I should point out, my friend, Pinky, Innocently enough, you fell victim to the devil's destructive sway, his lie in your comment. Did you notice? I'm sure you didn't, or else you wouldn't have hit sinned. <laughs> and I say this because it was innocently enough. But this is going to prove to show us how cunning that old father of lies is. This is how he sows his lying seed all over the world, even in the otherwise right and spot-on comments from his enemy, the Christian who speaks the truth. What am I talking about? One word you use several times in your comment, a word the devil prefers us to use because it's, it's a nearly undetectable lie. And it lays the foundation for all kinds of insidious destruction. It lays the foundation for the very things that you connected in your comment, all the various death routes. It's a subtle alternative to the truth. What's the word? Can you figure it out? Reproduce. That's the word. This is the one thing, the only thing wrong with your comment. Because you're absolutely right. That homosexuality and transgenderism, they bring their participants into the wilderness of death because that's what sterility is, death. But not because they can't reproduce, but because they can't procreate. A minor detail, I know. But the devil is, as you know, after all, in the details, isn't he? And you might think, well, come on, pastor. What? Now you're splitting hairs, tomato, tomato, potato, potato. Oh, yeah? It's not, friends. We're not talking semantics, but dealing with the very way in which the devil lies. He's not over, over the top and in your face. He doesn't present the lies in a way that are super noticeable and super detectable. This is how these things can have gotten so far in our world. This is how Christians can let down their guard because at first it seems to be so simple and so subtle and it couldn't ever cause any harm. But then you fast forward 10, 20, 40, 60, 80 years and all of a sudden we literally have Christians in name, at least, advocating for children to be able to cut off their breasts. We have ELCA Christians who, who stand up for the right to kill babies in the name of Jesus. 
And all of these horrendous lies start with a little trickle, a little itty-bitty seed. If we, who are advocates and apologists, evangelists of truth, you and I, if we use his language, the devil's language, without thinking about it, we know the lie is deep-seated, don't we? Pink Rubik's took all the time to write her comment, and I think it's, it's been a blessing to all of us here at Cross Defense because it's inspired today's conversation. So thank you, Pink Rubik's. And for all of you, if you'd like to leave a comment, please do so. If you'd like to write in, stmarksferndale.com slash contact is the place to do that most efficiently. So thank you very much for doing that. So now I would like to give back to Pink Rubik's and all of you to further equip her mind, your mind, in this conversation about reproduction versus procreation. See, reproduction is a term that comes from the lexicon of the industrialized world. It's a very, very recent term, actually, for how we talk about procreation. It comes from industry itself, from the making of products. It's the language of the assembly line. It's the language of commodities, of quality control, things like this. And it overtook procreation as the word we prefer to use when discussing the conception, the bearing, and the, the, the delivery of children. But children, as we know, aren't reproduced. They're not produced at all. They're not products. Children come about by procreation. The synonym we're looking for for procreation, if we want one, isn't reproduction, but beget. We beget our children. And so for the rest of the show, let's take a look at what Reverend Richard C. Iyer has taught us about these, these two words in his excellent book, Holy People, Holy Lives, Law and Gospel in Bioethics. It's a very accessible read. And as soon as we get back from this break, we'll take a look at what he has to say. Thanks for listening to Cross Defense. And thank you, Pink Rubik's we're allowing us so much to talk about today. We'll be right back. Military veteran, engineer, entrepreneur. These are just some of the former careers held by current LCMS pastors. Careers that they left behind to serve congregations in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. No matter the background, our Lord calls men who have a passion for the word and a love for serving Christ to be pastors. A sacred, joyful, and essential vocation. If you or a friend have been praying and thinking about becoming a pastor, visit weareyourseminaries.org and put your experience and skills to new use in pastoral ministry. Visit weareyourseminaries.org seminaries.org. Welcome back to Cross Defense. We continue now with Reverend Iyer teaching us about procreation in regards to reproduction, how procreation is the preferred true language and reproduction is the to be disregarded lying language of the devil. Once we have accepted the language of reproduction, he says, this idea of reproduction technology and reproducing like the industry does. We also accept the concepts that accompany it. Remember what I've been saying the last couple of weeks. 
we got to pay attention to our language. Kids aren't our kids. They're your kids. God gives you kids to be good stewards of. He doesn't give your kids to all of us collectively. And as we talked about a couple weeks ago now, Senator Hawley made the mistake, the blunder of talking about how the federal government needs to give parents their rights. No, God gives us our rights. we got to pay attention to the use of our language. In the end, Reverend Iyer says, the word reproduction as making or manufacturing a product brings with it a meaning that shapes our entire understanding of who we are and what we do. Pause right there for a second. This is what's manifesting itself right now in the abortion industry. This is what's manifesting itself with the transgenderism and all of this stuff. Continuing, this language of reproduction is a distant cry from the meaning of the language of procreation, which arises from the Bible. Again, pausing, when we shift to reproduction language, we're shifting, we're giving basically our influence as Christians in this society in the West. We're, we're saying here, we're done influencing your thoughts on how, how we uh, have value as human beings. We're, we're done with the biblical influence when it comes to human life matters. Let's use your language world Let's use the secular language. And, and here, pagans, you now influence the West. That's what we've done. And I know, to be clear, none of this is what Pink Rubik's meant. I'm just using her comment, because it's such a great comment, as a vehicle to teach all of us how to better use our language to continue to push back against the people who are fighting for child mutilation and murder. Friends, have you ever asked yourself, how did we get to the point where mothers murder their own children in their wombs? This is part of the how. It's, it's not a child that the mom is killing. It's a product. It's a product that the mother didn't order from Amazon. Abortion, for many, is essentially a return policy on an item that, that they want to bring back. They didn't want. Planned Parenthood in this regard is the equivalent of Walmart. It's Walmart's help desk, and you don't even need a receipt to return the product you don't want. We hear this in the trans language too, don't we? They, they treat human beings and their body parts, human genitals, as products that are replaceable, parts that are interchangeable, that can be exchanged from one person to another. It can be built by a doctor, the factory worker on the assembly line of the transgender identity. I don't want this part. I didn't order this part. Give me a new one. Okay, science has developed enough to where we can do that, kind of, sort of. I mean, you're going to be living with an opening, open wound between your legs the entire rest of your life if, if you're a boy going to be a girl. And, and let's say, uh, yeah, of course, we can, we can chop, chop off your breasts if you're a girl so you can look like a male, more, look more like a male, but you're always going to have seeping from your wounds and you're going to have these issues that you have to deal with. See, we don't ever actually, speaking of what Pink Rubik said, we don't always talk about the known problems we see right before us already. Let's talk about this for a second, that when boys transgender into girls, they are actually having to live with a wound that looks like a vagina their entire life. But it, it even doesn't really look like one. <laughs> it's a horrible reproduction of it, as they say. 
but it is something that they have to continually open up because the body is trying to heal itself. This is, this is horrendous to do to anyone, a child or an adult. So I agree with you, Pink. We need to talk about the things that we know very much about right now. This death culture, how people are living with these injuries and illnesses, and we're just scratching the surface. The problem is we see ourselves as products. Back to Reverend Iyer. The meaning of the word procreation is expressed in older translations of the Bible as the word beget. In begetting, life comes into being as the outcome of a husband and wife's love for each other. Procreation is not the aim of their love, but the result of it. Oh, that's beautiful. The aim of love is to love. Love is not utilitarian and has no aim other than to express itself to another being. In loving, a husband and a wife beget children, and what they beget is like themselves. In contrast to that, the meaning of the word reproduction implies a primary aim of making something for our use. Although we may speak of making a baby through normal intercourse, the truth is that we have little control over what is actually being made. In other uses of the word make, we set out to put it together with our own hands. What we normally make is something other than a human life. When we make something, we seldom think of it as coming into being as a result of love, but rather as a result of our skill and our need. We beget children because they result from our lovemaking. We make tables, clothes, computers, etc. because we need them for our physical or psychological use. It may be objected that men and women pursuing parenthood through reproductive technologies don't speak or even think in terms of these distinctions. But Reverend Iyer says that is precisely the point. Now, a couple months ago, there was a, a Chloe Kardashian headline. Maybe you saw this, some of you more than others, I'm sure, that is in this realm of discussion that we're talking about right now today. Remember what happened? She bought a baby. And then, shocker of all shocks, she confessed that it felt transactional when she held the child. Have a listen. I felt really guilty that like this woman just had a, my baby and you're just, I take the baby and then I go to another room and you're sort of separated. Like I felt it's such a transactional experience because it's not about him. I wish someone was honest about surrogacy. This is what we get with the language of reproduction. And this is just the beginning. As I've already said, it leads to the, the monstrosities that we see with the transgender movement. It leads to the, the genocidal monstrosities we see with, with Planned Parenthood and abortion and, and the murder clinics. It undermines, from the very beginning, the begottenness of the life of children, that they are the result of love. 
fashioned in the likeness of their parents. In fact, it sets the stage for death, if you think about it, doesn't it? If a child is a product, he or she is, is dehumanized from the very beginning, able to be bought and sold from the very beginning. It's easier to advocate for death when one uses politically correct language that isn't truthful. I love that about political correctness. I mean love in a very loose way, which is not following my own direction today, is it? But politically correct is anything but correct. When you hear the language politically correct, it's a doublespeak. It means lie. But the reality of the situation is, is that we can talk about destroying human beings, either permanently in death or for the rest of their life through chemical castration and surgeries and all the other emotional distress that comes with that. It's much easier to do that when we use the language of a product than when we use the language of a life. This is part of how we can, you ever wonder why people are willing to like go to so many lengths in the left and pink, you might know more about this than me from your personal experience, but we see this all the time where the left is so concerned about saving like, you know, the, the spotted tree owl or frog or whatever it is. They're trying to you know, save some random fish in the, in the stream or the pond. We get a lot of this out here in California, but they put so much energy into protecting these animals, but they're, they don't do the same thing for humans. Why? Well, we don't talk about animals as products. We talk about animals as lives. But they are a life actually with less value than ours in that they're not made and fastened in the image of God. That's not how they were created. They, weren't, they don't have the breath of life in them the way we do. They have rationality and, and, and made holiness. They, didn't, they don't have that. But that's why there's that disconnect. Because we still don't talk about the, the baby eagle as a product. We recognize that it is a species, it is a life. But we don't recognize that anymore at the popular level about our children. So children are not products to be made, to be purchased. As we Christians most certainly understand, as I'm sure Pink Rubik's knows Again, I want to be very clear. I'm not chastising her comment. I'm helping use this as a teaching tool, and I thank her for it. Her comment was just an opportunity to expound on this issue. It's very important, and it's underlying the whole conversation, and we don't talk about it much. The power of language. But we don't, we don't live in the Christian culture anymore. We've given over the dominance of our language to the, to the pagans, to the, to the unrepentant, to the atheists, to the secular neighbor. We live in a society where children are sold, whether it's under the auspices of surrogacy for the camera or where the cameras don't see with human trafficking. But this didn't just pop on the scene, did it? The devil injected it slowly, beginning with the unguarded acceptance of the new terminology from the, the industrialized age. So no more reproduction, okay? No more reproduction. Procreation. Because, as Jim Caviezel has 
powerfully reminded us recently in The Sound of Freedom, God's children are not for sale. Because you can sell a bag of cocaine one time with a child five to ten times a day. God's children are not for sale. See, friends, Pink Rubik's is right in identifying the complementary nature of all these issues. They're all interrelated like a jigsaw puzzle. These issues the left call social justice. What Khloe Kardashian felt when she held the baby that she bought, that disconnect, that separation, what she felt was the hand of death in her life. Eternal life is being with Christ. Eternal death is being separated from him, apart from him forever. Death is a separation from the source of life. That baby that she held just because she purchased it, him, her, I don't even know what it was. It was it was not hers. The source of its life, its mother, wasn't the one holding him. A tentacle, a, a finger, a touch of death is in that situation. When we sin, we, we turn away from God. We are separated from him. We are in the death territory. We're oriented away from him. We separate ourselves from him. And this sin, when it grows up, James teaches us, it brings forth death, James 1.15. Repentance, on the other hand, is turning back to God. In baptismal repentance, we're no longer in the state of death, but now in the state of life no longer disconnected from the Father, but connected to him through Christ Jesus, the source of our life. What Khloe Kardashian felt when she held the other woman's baby was literally the hand of death, spiritually, but literally. Now, certainly, we don't need to explain the presence of death in the darker version of that same activity, child trafficking, right? We get that. And so, as we're running out of time, finally, what I'd like to do is I'd like to share with you some of what St. Augustine had to say when he looked at John 8.44, as it relates to both the devil, that father of lies, and therefore, to those who imitate him in transferring lies one from another. As well, it relates to this last little comment, this last segment about using proper Christian language, the procreation versus the reproduction language. Augustine says, the creature cannot be put on a level with the creator. The devil, keep this in mind, Christian, this is where we get the comfort for your soul. The devil may be the paternal originator of the lie, but that doesn't put him on par with the Father Almighty who speaks truth, the paternal originator of truth. Augustine says, distinguish between him who made and that which he made. The bench cannot be put on a level with the carpenter, nor the pillar with its builder. And yet the carpenter, though he made the bench, did not himself create the wood. But the Lord our God in his omnipotence and by the word made what he made. He had no materials out of which to make all that he made. And yet he made it. 
for they were made because he willed it. They were made because he said it. But the things made cannot be compared with the maker. If thou seekest a proper subject of comparison, Augustine says, turn thy mind to the only begotten Son of God. How then were the Jews the children of the devil? Back to John 8, 44, right? Keep in mind, that's what we're talking about. They were the devil's children by imitation, not by birth, by imitation. Listen to the usual language of the Holy Scriptures. The prophet says to those very Jews in Ezekiel 16, 3, thy father was an Amorite and thy mother a Hittite. The Amorites were not a nation that gave origin to the Jews. The Hittites also were themselves of a nation altogether different from the race of the Jews, Augustine says. But because the Amorites and the Hittites were impious and the Jews imitated their impieties, they found parents for themselves, not of whom they were born, but in whose damnation they should share because they followed their customs. Whose customs do you follow, Christian? Christ's. That's whose. That's to say you've been created as a new creature in the waters of holy baptism. Take comfort in that. Repent of your sins, whatever they are, this week, this day, this hour, this minute. And take comfort that you have been born anew. Not by imitation, but you do try to imitate your Lord but through true birth in the waters of baptism. Thanks be to God. Jesus speaks truth, and because he speaks truth, you believe in him. You're not a child of the devil. Like Pinky Pinkerton of the Rubik's Cube clan, you've seen the truth by the power of the Holy Spirit, and you see how everything else is a lie that leads to death. Thanks be to God for his work in you, dear saints. And now may the comfort of Christ keep you steadfast in the midst of this barren wasteland. And with that, we got to go. So until next week, remember that you can send us your comments, your questions, and your bits of biblical brilliance by going to stmarksferndale.com slash contact. And you can check out the new series of reaction videos that we're making on my YouTube channel between now and next Saturday. Keep equipping your mind in relation to all these curious cultural topics that are going on in the world today. Christ be with you, my friends. Godspeed. Cross Defense is a production of KFUO Radio. Find past episodes and support Cross Defense at KFUO.org.